The reading is from Luke 19, verses 1 to 10. He entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not see, because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him, because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, He has gone to be with a guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. Peter, let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word, and we pray that as we look into your word this morning, that you might speak into our hearts and into our minds and into our souls, and that you would reveal yourself through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we are in this uh, season of 40 days of uh, good news. And uh, the 40 days of good news, it's a, a Baptist initiative uh, that's uh, going on throughout the whole of the UK, encouraging people to think about sharing the good news. And we've been uh, giving out these cards. Anybody not got a card? Did anybody not get a, a, a prayer card? Anybody not got one? There's plenty of them. Anybody got a story relating to their prayer card or a good news story that they wanted to share? Eileen, yeah, come on. I'll, I'll put these at the back. Remember, the idea is that it's just a very simple prayer and we're encouraging people to try and share uh, the good news with people through saying a prayer. Do uh, share your story, Eileen. Thank you. Right. Uh, where do I start? Um, my youngest son, Mark... I'd been talking to about the Lord for quite some time, um, not seemingly getting anywhere. But um, a couple of years ago, he was divorced and his life was in a bit of turmoil. And I, I felt he was a bit more amenable to listening to what I had to say. So we talked quite a bit about Jesus and the good news. Um, so when Janice and myself, oh no, she is. Oh, we went to this ladies' conference in London last year, about this time last year, and they gave us all a Bible. And um, they said, "Give this to a man in your life," because we've been last talk was about men and things. Um, so I thought, mm, right, I'll give this to Mark. Um, told him, you know, asked him read the Gospels. That's a good place to start. And, so, um, anyway, a couple of weeks later, he says, I, I can't get on with that Bible. He says, the print's too small. So, so, so anyway, I mentioned it to Richard, and he gave me a, a, just a copy of the um, Gospel of John. And I had heard 
that if people read the Gospel of John, it's pretty good introduction to the Gospels. Anyway, we didn't do so well with that, I don't think. Then uh, I'd, I'd seen a, um, a pamphlet about um, what was the first one you wrote? The purpose-driven life, and apparently they made a film of that. And I saw this pamphlet, and I, and I mentioned to Richard, and I said, "What do you think of giving somebody a, you know, someone who's not who doesn't know much about the Lord?" Um, the purpose driven life and he said well I can't do no harm so uh, he gave me a copy but uh, I'd already given Mark two or three things and they hadn't got far so I thought mm, I don't know I was a bit wary of giving him this I thought he'd say oh mum no not another book but um, I thought well it's in the cupboard so I've got to give it him so um, I did give it to him eventually um, wondered what might happen, if anything. And uh, about three weeks later, he comes up to me and he said, Mum, that book you give me, he says, it's the best thing I've ever read. And I nearly dropped. I thought, oh my goodness me, something's, mm, something's clicking here. Um, and he said, I'm reading it and I'm marking it up and, and I'm really, really enjoying it. He said, it's learning me so much. And I thought, oh, this, is, this sounds really good. This was on the Saturday, so on the Sunday I thought I could do with somebody to stand in prayer with me about this. So I asked Gary, well, you know, Gary, you can pray up a storm, can't you? So he really went to town here, you know. And I thought, Lord, if you don't hear this, I don't know. So um, anyway, the last news I knew, Mark has been. Uh, he, he needs. He says he needs somebody to talk to more about this book and to discuss it with. So uh, there's a church near where he lives in Mytham Road. So I've tried to get him in touch with that. So it's all an ongoing situation, um, but um, it's all. It all sounds quite hopeful. Um, I'm just reminded of a, um, a line in the song. Uh, what the branches sang, and I think it could have been, could have been probably one of Michael's, I don't know. And uh, where she says, finally, faith must be the key. And, and that's true, isn't it? Faith has to be the thing that finally, finally. So he's hoping. <laughs> Great, thanks for sharing that. So do uh, continue to look for opportunities. Uh, just to share those uh, those good news uh, stories with people. Now then. So we started uh, a couple of weeks ago in this series with uh, Jesus' mission statement, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Send me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind to release the oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And we looked at the fact that, that Jesus not only preached good news, but he was good news and he brought good news wherever he went and, uh, and we said that that's what we are to do not just to speak and preach good news but to be good news uh, wherever we go and then last week we looked at a good news story and we looked at the story of the woman at the well and we saw that she was thirsty for a drink she was thirsty for the truth 
She was thirsty for God and she was thirsty for more. And we saw how Jesus actually put those words into practice in that uh, he, he does bind up the brokenhearted. And this was a woman whose heart had been broken at least five times. And, uh, and Jesus ministered to her and changed her life. And this week we're looking at another good news story. The story of Zacchaeus. It's a great story, isn't it? And uh, an interesting contrast between last week's story uh, contained the longest conversation that Jesus had with anybody. And there's a sense in which this story is really short, just ten verses. Um, But again, we see the impact that Jesus has on those people that may be considered as lost. And the first thing that we notice is, how could we miss it? Uh, Zacchaeus was up a tree. Zacchaeus was up a tree. Good news shakes us. Good news shakes us. You see, I don't think uh, Zacchaeus was what you would call a tree climber. You know, one of those people, they're walking about, and as soon as they see a tree, they straight up it. They can't stop themselves. Maybe you've got one in your family. You see, I don't think Zacchaeus, from a little I, I suspect even when he was a little boy, he was quite serious. I don't think he was climbing trees. You see, Zacchaeus, what's up, Zach? Well, Zacchaeus was a, a tax collector. And not just a tax collector, he was a chief tax collector. And uh, he was a very wealthy man. Sort of person that you would perhaps think had it all together. But tax collectors, unlike tax collectors in our days, uh, weren't very popular in, uh, in Jesus' time. Today we love paying taxes, don't we? Hands up if you love paying taxes. Hands up if you're avoiding paying taxes. No, don't put your hands up if you're avoiding paying taxes. That's right. <laughs> hands up if you've got, no, if you've, if you've got an off, an off uh, short. No, no, we won't go there. We won't go there. But you know what I mean? He, he was a chief tax collector. He was very wealthy and people didn't like him. They didn't like him. He wasn't, he wasn't a popular man. He wasn't a popular man. So what drove Zacchaeus up the tree. What was it that drove Zacchaeus to climb a tree that day, to do something really ridiculous, to make himself look foolish? Well, the answer's there in, in, the, uh, in the passage. He wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But being a short man, he couldn't because of the crowd. Who's ever been in a crowd and uh, you just can't see? Because of the Peter, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't going to point you out, but you've you've done it yourself now. You know, sometimes if if you are uh, shorter than other people and you're in a crowd, you can't see. Maybe you, you've had to stand on a chair or climb a ladder or even climb a tree just to get a view of of what it is. Well, the thing that drove Zacchaeus to the tree, he was he was desperate to see Jesus. He'd heard about this man who was going around, this amazing person, and he wanted to see him for himself. So the thing that drove Zacchaeus up a tree was because he was short and he wanted to see. I used that cartoon because I I thought it was quite similar to our situation this morning, and if anybody wants to get a a better view, you know, there's a a couple of trees here. You uh, You can try to climb. What obstacles, though, get in the way of people seeing Jesus today? What obstacles get in the way of 
people getting to Jesus today? It seems to me that there are all sorts of obstacles. It's not, it's, it's not really the crowds, is it? Because the crowds are hardly flocking to see Jesus. But there are other things that people have to get over to actually get to see Jesus. And maybe we need to think about what some of those obstacles are and uh, enable people, provide trees for people to be able to climb so that they can see Jesus using the tree as a, as a metaphor for something that will enable people to be able to see what we, what you and I have already seen. Interesting, isn't it, to think about what are the obstacles. So Zacchaeus uh, was up a tree. He was shaken by the good news. He was, he was stirred. Something within him stirred when he heard that Jesus was coming to town. Secondly, and you'll see where we're going here with this, uh, with these points, Jesus invites himself for tea. Zacchaeus was up a tree and, uh, Zacchaeus, uh, Jesus invites himself for tea. And this is the second thing about the good news is the good news shocks us. The good news shocks us. Of course, you're sat there thinking, well, there's nothing that shocking about inviting somebody for tea. I've been out for tea with all sorts of people, and uh, there's nothing particularly shocking about that. But what you have to realize is the context. Uh, you know, in uh, Judaism, uh, who you sat down with and who you had meals with uh, was very important. You didn't just sit down with anybody. There were strict rules that you had to abide by. Last week when we were looking at the story of the woman at the well, we commented on the fact that a, a Jewish rabbi wasn't supposed to associate with a woman, let alone a, a woman uh, from another religion, let alone a, a woman with a, a dubious background. And we saw Jesus breaking down those barriers. And here we have to recognize that it was shocking that Jesus invites himself for tea. Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And Zacchaeus probably nearly fell out of the tree uh, with, uh, with the shock that Jesus was actually going to come to his house for tea. Did you notice in, in the little video that this, the, the person said it's a bit like somebody famous, like the Queen coming? Little knowledge there, not not little tip of the hat to the Queen's uh, 90th birthday celebration. You might have missed it, but it was in there. Just pointing it out. Jesus invites himself for tea. Good news shocks us. This is my new friend Jesus. Does he know we're tax collectors and sinners? Look who's eating with now. Look who he's eating with now. That'd be a great sermon series, that wouldn't it? Look who he's eating with now as Jesus sits down. And, and one of the, the criticisms that Jesus faced was that he associated with tax collectors and sinners. And uh, all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. I like the way that the, uh, the message version puts it. It says, everyone who saw the incident was indignant and grumped. <laughs> I like that. Have we, have, have we got any people here who sometimes grump? You know who you are. We do sometimes, don't we? We grump about all sorts of things, don't we? You know, we grump about the football. We grump about... Well, I'm not grumping about the football at the moment, obviously. Case sarah, sarah, whatever will be, will be. <laughs> but, you know, we do grump, don't we? We grump about the music, we grump about the length of the sermon, we grump about all sorts of things, don't we? And uh, people grumped. And uh, not only that, the, the message version goes on to say, what buzz business does he have getting cosy with this crook? What business does he have getting cosy with this crook? In other words, Jesus should have known better he was mixing with the wrong sort of people. 
He had this label, friend of tax collectors and sinners. That was his label. That's what he was known for. I wonder whether Lum Baptist Church would have the same label. Would people look at Lum Baptist Church and say, oh, they, that church, they'll let anybody in. They'll, uh, they'll, they'll talk to anybody. They'll, they'll give food to anybody. They'll sit down with anybody. I wonder whether we've got that label. And I wonder, you know, who are today's equivalent of the tax collectors and sinners? Who are those people that are seen as outcasts in society? Who are they? And are we getting alongside them? Are we welcoming them? Are we uh, showing the same love that Jesus? Because Jesus noticed Zacchaeus. He didn't walk past him. He noticed him. He didn't just notice him. He said, I'm coming to your house for tea. He wasn't backward in coming forward, Jesus. He said, I'm coming to your house for tea. Whether Zacchaeus was ready for that, we don't know. But he was, he was quite happy and they went to the house and they had tea together. I wonder, you know, whether we actually, whether we grump at the idea of mixing with the wrong sort of people. Are we a church that would still welcome tax collectors and sinners? Philip Yancey says in his book, What's So Amazing About Grace? I truly believe that the future of the church depends on how we master the art of dispensing grace. I truly believe that the future of the church depends on how we master the art of dispensing grace. Treating people how they don't deserve rather than treating people how they do deserve. That's what Jesus did. He didn't go to Zacchaeus' house and say, hey Zacchaeus, you know, the maths don't add up on the sums that you've been doing and your tax collecting. He didn't go into the Zacchaeus and said, Zacchaeus, you're a terrible person. You're a, you're a horrible person. No wonder nobody likes you. He went in and he, and he, and he, and he showed Zacchaeus the love of God. And Zacchaeus' life was transformed. Good news shocks us. It shocks us in that it, it, it reaches Everybody, and especially those who are seen as outside of the system. Jesus invites himself for tea. And then finally, Zacchaeus is set free. You know, Jesus in his mission statement, he talked about, you know, freedom for the captives, about setting the prisoners free. And there's a sense in which here's a story that illustrates about somebody who was imprisoned in a way of life, in a system who was being set free by the grace of God. This is what Jesus does. Jesus is set free. Good news shapes us. Good news shapes us into the people that God wants us to be. Here and now, I give half my possessions to the poor. This was Zacchaeus' response to hearing what Jesus had to say. We don't know what Jesus said to him. There's no conversation recorded that took place at Zacchaeus' house. But something happened in the presence of Jesus that turned Zacchaeus' life round. And rather than grabbing money, suddenly he wanted to give it away. Do you notice the contrast? If we went back into Luke chapter 18, we would find the story of the rich young ruler who again was looking for Jesus. And when he said, you know, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and then come and follow me. And the sad thing in that story is the rich young man walked away, sad, because he was so wealthy. 
And the disciples said, well, who can be saved? And then we go into the next chapter and we find the most unlikely character being saved, Zacchaeus, who again was a wealthy man, but with that encounter with Jesus, suddenly the wealth didn't matter and he was able to give it away. There's more here and now I give half my possessions to the poor and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. If I've cheated anybody, I will pay back four times the amount. Zacchaeus is set free. The good news shapes us. It changes us. It makes us into different people, into better people, into the sort of people that God wants us to be. Tom Wright says, the tax collector himself speaks to Jesus in public and gives evidence of his extravagant repentance. I like that. An extravagant repentance. Repentance here isn't just a change of heart, as in Judaism in general. Repentance involves restoration, making amends. Zacchaeus is determined to do so lavishly. I love this picture for those very reasons that the, the repenting, the turning round that we see in Zacchaeus isn't one, oh, well, I'm, I suppose I, I, I better, you know, put things right. It goes further than just putting things right. He wants to bless people. Before he'd been a curse to people, and now he was a blessing to people. Before he'd been bad news when he came knocking at the door, and now he was good news because he knocked at the door and he was giving money back four times as much. An extravagant repentance. Zacchaeus is set free. Good news shapes us. Today, Jesus says, salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. And Jesus here is recognizing Zacchaeus as a member of God's family. He is a son of Abraham. I'm a son of Abraham. And so are you. Where's Jennifer? We've got another song coming. <laughs> Father Abraham. He had many sons, you know. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them and so are you. So let's all praise the Lord. And here Jesus recognizes that salvation has come to this house today. And that here is a son of Abraham and the evidence of this salvation coming to the house is in the changed life and attitude of Zacchaeus. And it doesn't just affect Zacchaeus, and this is the great thing about the good news, is it doesn't just affect the individual. You know, we live in this individualistic society, don't we? Where we put people on pedestals and it's all about me, or it's all about this person. And, of course, when we come to church, it isn't all about me, it's all about us and our community. We are the people of God. We're not just individuals. We are the people of God. And we are sons and daughters of Abraham. And uh, Michael Wilcock picks this up in his uh, comments on this passage. He says, its effects will be repercussions all around in the society in which he lives. In other words, his world will begin to change, but only because his heart has been changed first. You see, Zacchaeus' heart has been changed... But that affects not just him, it affects those he lives with and works with and who live in his neighbourhood. The change spreads out from Zacchaeus. And that's the sign of the good news. It's not just if it only affects me and it only affects you and doesn't affect anybody else, then it's not that great news really, is it? And that's the thing about the good news, is it is it's contagious. You cannot keep it inside. You cannot keep it inside. And notice again, this is another encounter that Jesus has. Like we were saying last week, 
his encounters happened outside of the walls of the temple because he was out there meeting people. And we said, didn't we, that somebody had worked out out of the 134 encounters Jesus had with people, you know, three quarters of them happened outside of the temple or synagogue. Out there in the real world, he was meeting people and changing people's lives. And that's our challenge, friends, that we need to be out there with the good news. Uh, and it is, it shakes you. It should shake you like it, it shaked Zacchaeus. We should be wanting to climb trees for Jesus. Anybody want to climb a tree for Jesus? Yes, one or two. Good. Don't do it. Don't, don't, don't do it. Do it if you want, but I, I'm, I'm not taking responsibility if you, if you fall out of a tree. But you know what I mean. Uh, let's climb trees for Jesus. It, 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 it shakes us, but it also shocks us. Because there are people that you and I perhaps I think are beyond the good news. Maybe people that we feel we've given up on. Great to hear, you know, Eileen's story and send him a card. Send him a card and encourage him to, to say that prayer. Uh, and let's pray for that, you know, for that young man, Mark. Let's pray for him and, uh, and pray for others because there is nobody who is beyond the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it shocks us. But if we allow it, it will shape us and it will make us into the people, the people that God wants us to be. Today, salvation has come to this house and Zacchaeus is set free. And maybe you know people that need to be set free. Let's pray for them and let's take the good news to them.